We actually started some new advertising this week, James. Right. Wait, we did. We we did as a show, as a unit on the podcast. On the podcast, I, I thought you meant your like you your work for a second there, since that's your work. No, I'm not. I'm I'm not advertising Colin Stone Services. Although I have been very tempted every time I've gone to the petrol pumps. You know when you lift the the nozzle, yeah, and on the top it's like, hey, want to advertise your business to forty thousand people a week? <laughs> and then there's the there's the website. I'm thinking, you know what? I could just like slam some self promotion on there. I'm sure it's very cheap. You could and just so, see how it works out. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, I, I did some free advertising this week. Well, I mean, it cost me like twelve quid. Wow. So I ordered mm-hmm. some car stickers. Wow. From India. Because <laughs> I'm saving the planet. Excellent. I mean, okay. Well, just to butt in here while we're mid advertisement. Everything gets made far away from us. Doesn't matter if you're buying it from the source or from local. It's probably made there anyway. Right, it's right. It's really hard to buy stuff that's made local. So don't worry, I'm not judging you too harshly. Okay. Well, basically, I mean, it, it was like a .co.uk site. I was like, okay, clearly these guys are from, from England. And uh, they weren't. They lied. Yeah. They sent yeah. me a FedEx link and it said it was in Mumbai. <laughs> I thought there was a mistake. <laughs> But nope. I did I did something similar. I bought some I bought some coffee from a UK site and then I got the <laughs> I got the stuff in and it was like fr- starting from France. I was like, well, I guess that's pretty close, but yeah. not the UK. <laughs> anyway, I, I finally got this delivery and now I have a seesaw parade sticker on my rear view mirror. No wait, my rear window of my car. <laughs> and so <laughs> I advertise the podcast to myself. <laughs> Every time I need to reverse or just, you know, see if the police are following me again. I just look up and I'm like, oh, she's operating. I'll put that on. Yep. <laughs> no. Sorry, I'll clarify. I'm stuck on my rear window. So, you know the, the kind of cars you go behind and it's like baby on board or princess yeah, yeah, aboard. Yeah. Mine just now says Seesaw Parade with Colin and James. So, wow. that's some free advertising. And dear listener, if you are stuck in traffic... And you have you have searched Seesaw Parade, then welcome, <laughs> welcome to your new favorite show. It's like a radio, but worse. Precisely, yeah. That's that's a great tagline, actually. But yeah, that's the <laughs> highlight of my week, and also the fact that I forgot to get an advent calendar this year. Mm. Which James, at the age of thirty, you would have thought I'd be over, but I'm not. Mm, no, yeah, I didn't forget. I I choose not to get them, but I always have that little feeling of regret that I am missing out. I almost bought a beer one this year. Nice. One beer per, per, per thing, but I figured that, that's just a bad habit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a descent into alcoholism. Expensive calendar, and I either am drinking it all on the weekend, and that's too much for me, or I'm drinking one a day, and that's too much of a habit. So I chose to skip that temptation. The, the thing is, with advent calendars generally, the chocolate is never that good anyway. No. Certainly on, on past experience, it's just that sort of bland, yeah. you've made this as cheap as you possibly can and yep. chucked it into a calendar yep. chocolate. It's not even good. So I don't know why I'm still like, oh, I didn't get an advent calendar. The, the flavor brings on the feeling of incoming Christmas. That's right? true. Just, we, we associate the bad chocolate flavor with good things. So it does still get the right parts of the brain sparking off. When we were kids, because there were six of us, we would often get you know, family presents gifted by usually people in the village or from church or something. And there was every single year, there was always going to be 
like a big see-through tub of what was supposed to be chocolate, but mm-hmm. was clearly, again, just manufactured on the cheap. They bought it from the 99p store. Right. And I remember having or seeing that we'd got this giant tub of white chocolate fish and chip shape okay. chocolates. Okay. I thought, this is amazing. Right, yeah, 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 clearly. And it is without doubt the worst chocolate I ever tasted <laughs> in my life. It was basically chalk. <laughs> And I appreciate, I appreciate, you know, people had to go the extra mile. You know, you've got six young kids. You want to get them something, get them they chocolate. Did their best, yeah, yeah. Don't go to the 99p store. You know, I'm surprised that white chocolate went wrong. It's, I, as far as I'm aware, white chocolate is just sugar, but in a block form. So, well done. <laughs> there's that, but there's also the uh, tablet we used to get, which is genuinely just sugar. Sugar I think. in a block form, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, sugar in block form. And that was great. We always uh, look forward to getting that. Yep, but um, that. then the uh, old lady who gave it to us every year died. So we don't get it anymore. <laughs> That's just, it's just a sad story. And from your yeah. human selfish perspective, I think the bigger tragedy is being overshadowed. <laughs> well, I didn't really know her that well. She was very old, but she made banging tablet. Christine Davidson, GBNF. I guess it's just after decades of practice your tablet making gets real good either that or you you add more of the bad stuff to the red i was thinking about that this week because mainly because i saw people talking about it nice how all the all the times you eat stuff that's real tasty whether you've gone out and gotten someone to cook a meal for you you've gone to a restaurant or you've bought something especially good it's it's always gonna be the 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 cheat day you have to assume right. there's like an entire block of butter if you're eating something and it tastes beyond reasonably good um so i'm i'm thinking maybe that's what the granny's trick is they've all just chucked a block of butter into everything they're not going for health they don't need to try and hold on to health to extend their life for another 50 decades they're done G- genuine Eat question the butter Fair enough. Genuine question, James. When you talk about a, a cheat day, in all the years I've known you, you have been far from a bodybuilder. So, when you have a cheat right. day, no, I don't. I don't do cheat. I don't do cheat. What, days. what What do you do to burn off all those calories? Just I, think really hard. I, I've, my metabolism still is peak. I I don't have to try yet. It's mental. Day, I, I, I hate it. It's going to disappear, and I'll have to start trying. But for now. Still good. I played uh, squash this week. Right. On a Tuesday with my boss, who's 62. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what the result was? Boss won. 11 nothing. He's 62 years Wait, he old. Boss won 11-0. As in he won 11 straight games in a row. Wow. So his trick was he could just serve like an absolute pro. Right. And so every single time he was just firing it to the back corner. And if you ever played squash, it's very hard to swing a racket when you're standing against a wall. In the corner. Yeah. And so it was just that really, you know, disappointing. And I cringed every time it happened. He would serve, the ball would bounce, I'd swing, I'd miss, I'd lose the point. He won the first game 15-3. Okay. Clearly realized, okay, this guy is nowhere near as good as he said he was. And uh, I'll go easy on him. And so his serves were much more gentle uh, for the the following 10 games which he still won every single time right but the scores were more right. I, I burned off more calories but i felt like i'd wasted his time he said he had a, he said he enjoyed well, the runaround yeah, no, I, but that's what i would say to my nephew after i play football with him like oh yeah i enjoyed the runaround yeah it was the most taxing game of my life but i think there is an element of enjoyment there but like you're saying it's a it's a, it's a wee bit of a patronizing enjoyment it's a little bit of a well, i've helped them get better at their game <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, well done. You had a good you had a good bit of exercise. You burned off like a pizza or something. This is my, my call out to anyone, be that someone who's sitting behind me in traffic or someone who actually knows who I am. If you play squash, get in touch because I would like to practice before I lose to my boss again. And hopefully next time mm. I might actually win a game rather than lose 11 in a row. That would be good. It would be good to be in practice. Oh. I haven't done anything sporting since the since the virus kicked off. I really should reconsider that at this yeah. point, I think. <laughs> yeah, like you should do you not even go like walking or Oh no, I go walk sometimes. I definitely don't walk as much as I used to because I used to have more things to right. go to. Fair enough. And I used to walk to all of them. And I haven't replaced that walking with other walking. You probably should. Probably should, yeah. <laughs> I have I have got gym equipment in my home, so it is okay. Don't don't be concerned. Okay, good stuff. This is uh, the Seesaw Parade, the podcast you can listen to whilst walking or whilst doing gym equipment. Wow, yeah. You could like listen to it whilst you play squash, but you could try. This is episode 271. Yeah, but you're forbidden from listening to it while being completely stationary. <laughs> Also true. Forbidden. I'm Colin and he is James. Yes. Well, yes. Sometimes with an S. Depends how he's feeling. Sometimes. And this is the longest running. Depends if I feel like two people are one. Season one of any Scottish entertainment slash news slash politics podcast in existence. It's your new favourite podcast mm-hmm. and officially less good than radio or whatever you said earlier. Radio but worse. That was the one. Radio but worse. Still better than fascism though. Still less popular than fascism. Which is really sad, but it is also the sad reality of the world we live in. You can get in touch with the show at Seesaw Parade on Twitter, mm-hmm. or you can, you know, like knock on my car window and just I'll roll down the window and we'll have a chat. Mask up. Or you can uh, you can email seesawparade at gmail.com as Ed did a few weeks ago now, sending over a review, <sighs> but we, we had so many things to talk about last week, we skipped it. So Ed, I promise we will talk about what you'd sent in, because of course... Dear listener, if you have watched a film, if you have finished a TV show, a book, perhaps you made a nice dinner, or maybe you made some tablet yeah. for a, a young family who, who really appreciated it until you died. Yeah, did you put a bunch of butter in your tablet? If you've done any of those things, <laughs> let us know, and we'll, we'll talk about it in our, uh, our section of, of what we've been watching. But James, we're going to start with oh, just the, the news that every Christmas needed, a new <laughs> yeah. variant of COVID. Really well timed. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Look what Santa's brought you. Santa, Santa has come early. Okay, James, let's talk about the Omicron variant. Face coverings in England have become mandatory once again in public transport and in shops in an effort to slow the spread of said variant. People arriving in the UK from abroad now have to take a PCR test and self-isolate until they receive a negative result. (laughs) Didn't have that rule? (laughs) Yeah, as I'm reading, I'm thinking, wait, we didn't? Why were we not doing that? That, Oh, okay. Okay, well, right. as, Great. as we know, sorry, I'll, I'll come to you in a second. As we know, in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, we have still been doing masks yes. on public transport and shops because, you know, that's that's sensible. But uh, yeah, here we go. And people are doing it. Omicron is in the UK, 14 cases uh, so far uh, detected this week, but that number is sure to rise. Yes. It's also been found basically everywhere in the world now. Canada, the States, Italy, the Netherlands, Switzerland. It started or rather originated 
or rather, I'll rephrase, discovered yes. in South Africa. But that's because many of the uh, many of the Indeed, world's they did the best job of finding it. Yeah, the the, the world's leading epidemiological scientists are based there. And of course, the UK and the US did the sensible thing and banned every flight from Southern Africa, despite the fact it was already in, you know, Belgium and France and Germany. Yeah, it was too late. Yeah, We don't care about them. We're only going to ban people who fly from Eswatini and Botswana. I mean, I guess they're just fulfilling their daily goals, um, but they've got a reason to be able to do it, right? We can't just keep Africa away, but do it because of the virus this time. You gotta love those kinds of people. So, James, just on that point, first of all, of he said sarcastically, completely, he hates those kinds of people. Just to be clear, I do not like those kinds of people. I, I, I'm sure we we understood that. So, <laughs> just on that point, then, of the rules which have been reinstated despite seeming like common sense, your thoughts on this? Well, it's again, it's not very hopeful when. I mean, granted, quite a lot of it is England-specific. A lot of the rules were still in place in the rest of the nations of the UK. But it really isn't hopeful to me when the rules that are being reinstated are rules that I didn't think were undone. Undone, yeah. Or that should have ever been undone, right? They should have remained rules this whole time. Um, and maybe maybe there, there was other versions of the rules and they've just like made them a little stronger again. But it, it's not cool. Uh, hearing that kind of a thing and it's it clearly isn't a good place to be in the uk if you're wanting to dodge the virus we've got still like is it like three thousand cases per day in scotland or something like that in scotland yeah and, certainly and like fifty thousand in the uk at this point maybe like 40k on average i can't remember i should look it up right now um <laughs> those numbers are big and even if everyone's vaccinated and not going to hospital, you can still get pretty unwell. And even if everyone's vaccinated and not going to hospital, you can still like pass it on to people who might. Um, so, so we we're, we're doing a bad enough job before a new variant kicked in. It's not it's not looking fun, and it's our fault, Colin, because you asked, "Is there going to be new restrictions or new rules?" And I said, "I don't see the government being able to do that." Yep. And then the new variant was like, "Hey, hey, hey. thank you." I'm here now. Thanks for the introduction. And the government has had the excuses that it needed, that it lacked, that we couldn't foresee. And and I've been saying it over and over again, variants are the problem. And then I should never have predicted this because I've cursed the nation. Okay, I'm sure they all blame you. Now, on that point of how the governments across the world tackle this, this week the UK ordered an extra 114 million doses of Pfizer and Moderna vaccines to be rolled out over the next couple of years. Research out this morning, which is Friday, said that these two, Pfizer and Moderna, give the best overall boost response because this, James, looks like the way forward for the next few months. Boosters, first of all, for those who are in the over 40s, uh, I believe over 60s have already been done, over 50s are being done. I suspect this will then eventually roll out to the, the likes of you and I. Yeah. Who are in, some of us are in our 30s now. So they fall into the older category. I am nearly there, don't worry. But then there's also, as you say, James, this idea that further restrictions may be on the way. So let's talk about Christmas. And uh, some people who are making uh, or, or taking great delight in the fact that you could rearrange the letters of Omicron B and it became no crimbo. 
which people thought was uh, very oh, very clever, very interesting. Very, I didn't see that one. That's actually funny. Do you ex- <laughs> do you expect? That's actually funny. Do you actually expect, though? That is going to tickle me for days. There will be any sort of repercussions or, as you say, restrictions (sighs) coming up to Christmas because of what happened last year. Yeah. It was clearly very unpopular and people, politicians had somewhat foolishly suggested already Christmas would basically be normal. But that was before Omicron showed up. Yeah, I'm... They might try and limit the number of people you're allowed at a party or something like that. I really do not think that the current government has the power or the desire to erode its power that it would that it would happen if it did a lockdown. I don't think it can do it, and I don't think it wants to do it. No. Um, or even like a, you can only have three people at your houses, right? Um, and we'll come to one of the big reasons why in a bit, because... Uh, they've eroded their own power again. Um, so I don't see like the big restrictions still. I know we kind of were expecting not very much of anything and now we've got masks. Um, there might be other similar limitations, things that kind of affect your public facing life, but allow you to do stuff in private gatherings and things like that. But it's mostly because the government's weak rather than because I think it would be sensible. I, de- I genuinely think the sensible thing is still, and always has been, to have far more limitations and far more restrictions than we are seeing. And the only reason we're not is because we're trying to keep the economy trickling along a little bit better than it would be right. otherwise. But also people, as you've you've alluded to there, are kind of done with lockdowns and restrictions and i think that if yeah. the either scottish government or the uk government attempted to do either yeah. you know masks is something which okay people may be like oh i don't want to wear a, a bit of cloth on my face but people will do it on the whole because it's they're still able to go about their daily lives their businesses can still continue exactly yeah. whilst wearing a mask however if they attempt to limit these, you know, household numbers or this, that, the next thing, or as you say, yeah, a, a lockdown, I genuinely don't think people would go for it. People would just say, well, no. Yeah, so we might see something like the travel restrictions coming back, um, which would, I think, be the furthest we might see. I doubt it will get further than being like, well, don't travel to a different region again, which, again, is, is something that a lot of people would hate, but it isn't technically limiting your individual freedom very much at all and i think maybe is within reach of uh, the government still considering how fed up everyone is as you're saying we might see that did you see president biden attempt to say the words omicron during his press oh, co- his no, first press conference I didn't. on it oh i didn't see this no he kept he kept calling it omnicron omnicron <laughs> it does sound consistently. like i i've been tempted to say it that way I, I've been tempted to call it that. Omnigrom. Sounds like a, sounds like a transformer when you say when you say that. I also was uh, intrigued as to why we had gone from Delta, which is the fourth letter of the yeah. Greek al- alphabet, to the thirteenth. Right. It turns out, and I look I looked this up because other people had had spotted the same thing. They would b- before they got to Omnicrom, one of the letters would have been new. As an NU. All right, that's confusing. But the WHO decided yes. that would be too confusing to say, oh, it's the new variant. Yeah, that's confusing What's it called? for sure. No, it's the new one. Yeah. And the other, one of the other letters was G, as in XI, as in the surname of the Chinese president. So they decided not to call it Wait, is that the, before Omicron? The G variant. I believe so, yeah. I mean, this certainly was in this, this article. Oh, crazy Greeks. But they'd gone through a whole list and they decided 
Omicron was the, uh, or Omnicram. Yeah, Omnicram. Was the one that uh, Mr. Biden decided to go for. <laughs> well, on the, uh, let, let's just jump jump country, shall we? Let's go to Germany. Germany have decided to essentially bar anyone who's unvaccinated from public life. Fair. Uh, yeah. Angela Merkel said this was the, the, the essentially the only way that the, the country was going to survive a fourth wave. Uh, the country is in the midst of... Of uh, again a, a big uptake. It's got yeah, it's real scary there in infections, and it is also as we talked about on the last episodes, one of the least vaccinated countries in the world, uh, or rather certainly in Europe, I should say. And so only people who have been vaccinated or recently recovered are allowed in restaurants, cinemas, leisure facilities, and shops. And the Chancellor uh, Chancellor Mer- Merkel suggested that vaccinations could be mandatory. In February. Yeah. Um, and we've already discussed the idea of mandatory vaccinations. And it, like, it really is not as unprecedented as, as a lot of people are suggesting. And you know what? Just to specifically call out one of the big idiots in the world. Okay. I saw a tweet by uh, Jordan Peterson that was compare- that was saying like, it was comparing the um, vaccine mandates to 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 nazi medical experimentation straight wow. up and um, because they were mentioning um similar things in in the in the discourse in germany and stuff like that so he's just like yeah well clearly we haven't learned enough lessons from the nazis <laughs> it's just like this is this is the problem this is how you make uh, people so a- adverse to the thing that you continue this global issue, and it's those kinds of people who who suppress people's willingness to get vaccinated that are going to make this eternal vaccine thing a guarantee. Booster shots are going to continue until we have enough coverage that the vaccine is suppressed. And while it's only seventy to eighty percent of people that are taking the shots, those booster shots are going to be every single like six months forever, kind of like the flu, yep. but a different, <laughs> a different virus. Because we already do that. Yeah. So maybe one day we'll see it not mandated. But like, I'm not surprised that Germany's the next country going down that route. They've not had enough uptake. It will be discussed in every other country. Even the US will be trying to discuss yep. vaccine mandates. I am certain. The the problem with comparing anything to Nazis is you've essentially lost the argument at that point. If you're comparing, well, unless you're comparing fascism to Nazis, yeah, you know, getting people to take a take a vaccine to end a, a global pandemic, yeah, and you're comparing it to the attempted extermination of the Jewish race or experimenting on people unwillingly for trials and medical reasons. No, like, there's 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 all sorts of different levels to this, but yeah. It disgusts me that the discourse of anti-vaxxers is getting disgusting at this point. Indeed. Finally, though, let's let's take it back to uh, 10 Downing Street and talk about a couple of messages which have been put out by government ministers this week, and then we'll talk about what happened last year at number 10. So, this week, Sajid Javid, uh, the health secretary, said there's no need to call off your Christmas parties despite uh, the emergence of yeah. uh, the Omicron variant. And also we had... I'd call them off if I was you. Therese Coffey, who also said that we uh, we shouldn't be snogging strangers under mistletoe. Which I was gutted about. Which I genuinely think is pretty good advice just day to day. Um, <laughs> even without the global pandemic, I think I think pretty good advice. Uh, but also said the, the UK government was working hard so we can all enjoy a knees up. Oh, what a phrase. Gotta love it. Now, I don't know 
where that phrase came from or what that what it technically means, but I presume she means like just go out on the lash with the lads. <laughs> Get so drunk you collapse and drink and go into beetle mode. So on the back of all this then was the news that last year there were a couple of post lockdown parties held within 10 Downing Street. The first one uh, the Prime Minister allegedly was was at gave a short speech and mentioned how packed the room was. <laughs> <laughs> the second one, which uh, apparently was was two days after lockdown was um, initiated in the run up to Christmas. Of course, if you remember, Christmas Day was the the day that the virus had off. Yeah, yeah. And we all just you know chilled and hung out and everything was fine. And then the virus came back on Boxing Day. <laughs> virus had a knees up. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, I'm sure the virus did have a knees up on Christmas Day. <laughs> it really is. It's been uh, having a knees up this whole time. But, the yes, the, the fallout from this has been asking the Prime Minister, how on earth could these parties with 40 to 50 people have been legal at the time of these restrictions? Because these simply yeah. weren't. And uh, apparently... Yeah, they weren't. The, yeah, the yeah. Prime Minister spokesperson just lying through their teeth and saying, yes, these were within the rules. No, they weren't. Absolutely not. Yeah, they've learned that they can just lie and it will yep. disappear pretty soon. The, the two things about this release of information that are really curious to me is the timing um, and like the effect it's going to have. And I think the timing is very deliberate. Why? Because if you think about who was at those parties and who knew about them, they'll all be pretty pro-government as far as I'm concerned. So they have to have a different agenda for telling us all about this stuff. So I'm thinking some schemer who hates lockdowns released this information um, so that the government and Boris would have less power to ask for more lockdowns in the future. Because the more the population sees that the people at the top are not even obeying the rules that they put down for the rest of us. And, like, they didn't. They Their party should have been broken up by the police like we saw countless normal human being parties broken up. Their gatherings should have been getting fines like we saw everyone in the world getting fines. Um, so I'm thinking someone out there saw the v- new variant come out and as soon as they realised this variant could mean new lockdowns, they were like, well, we better, like, try and dismantle the government's ability to okay. ask for more lockdowns. Let's tell them all about the secret parties now. Conspiracy theory done. <laughs> it's, I mean, in terms of, you know, flat earth or, you know, lizards, reptilians run the world, Yeah, I'm unsure that conspiracy will really even charts. But, I mean, that's a good theory. Yeah, I don't think it's going to harm anyone, yeah. And, and I think the effect is that it is going to weaken the government's position on any anything they ask us to do for the next week while, because we know... Again, they broke the rules. And you, and you think that was done intentionally? Yeah, I think it was people who don't want the government to be able to have new restrictions. I genuinely do. Okay. that's Yeah, I, I can work with that. The, the, my only takeaway from that was, as you already mentioned, the government have realized they can just flat out lie and, and it's fine. Yeah. There is absolutely zero yeah. repercussions or fallout or resignations or anything from from this from blatant lies. Yeah. Stuff that would have like had a career end like a decade ago. Ever since ever since David Cameron, that slimy Pig. man. Sli- slimy man. That's as far as I think I should okay. go. <laughs> I, I, I agree. And I don't know how we as a as a as a culture, as a nation, reclaim that. Because yes, we're in the to to use a cliche, the, the world of post truth where things which are blatantly false and are blatantly lies right. are called out as such, but nothing happens. It's just like, okay, yeah. he lied. No, I, so what? I, I was listening to a, 
again, we're kind of, I'm, I'm going way off what we usually kind of cover, but I was listening to an interesting discussion about truth and convincing people and changing people's minds. And we've okay. we've we've gone from an era where you had to figure out what to say to someone to change their mind, where you have to figure out what group that they are identifying with do you need to remove them from to change their mind. Um, so in the past, it would be like if someone is really introspective or really going, is going to think about something, you want to tell them like three really good detailed points and they might change their mind. Or if they're just someone who wants to think about it really lightly, you just give them a barrage of really small, light points. They can they don't even need to be really convincing, but just barrage and then they might change their mind. Whereas now it's like you've got to convince someone that their family is more important than their anti-vax beliefs and the anti-vax beliefs are targeting their family. Yeah. Or like their their belief in the human rights transcends their in-group's beliefs, whether it's like something along the lines of migrants are evil, right? So you've got to remove people from a group that they're in. So when it comes to how this affects politics, I don't see the way out because people are identifying with a political party. So you've got to dismantle the party <laughs> to make the people stop identifying with it. Um, so I think we're in this until the until the party changes. It, well, yeah, just on that point, you know, it, it's, it will be a, a little while yet before we see another round of elections in the US, for example. But the Republican Party is now a party which, if you don't stand for whatever Trump and the Republican Party currently stands for, you're out. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you're, you know, slightly more liberal than Republicans are currently meant to be, you're out. Too bad. Yeah. If you don't fall into the, the, the image of Trump, that's it. Too bad. Yeah. And so you have to be this now over-the-top, uh, buffoonish, lying, mm-hmm. cheating, swindling scumbag. And if you're not, then too bad. You're a, you're a rhino, as a, apparently is the, no. is the parlance for a Republican who's not really... Who's not really a Republican. Right, right. Republican in name only. There we go. It took me a second. R-I-N-O. A rhino. Republican in name yeah, only. Silent and age. if you're have any any sort of affiliation or let's say sympathy for black lives matter or you know justice or perhaps you're a little bit more liberal when it comes to abortions too bad you're out of there yeah and that's completely wrong but that's something they want and it's just, it's we've we've mentioned it a lot in the past it's like people are trying to make things a religion or a cult and now we're seeing it with political parties where it's like a cult of trump or over here it's like a, it's not really boris's cult but it's this cult of the tory view which is generally just like other nations bad migration bad poor people not working hard enough stop paying taxes i guess um and they are trying to transform themselves into that same self-sustaining cult which has just this regular 40 percent of the vote enough to get over any hurdle needed all the time and um i i don't know how we counteract that because i don't think it's something you can undo from the outside um so it is really scary and 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 it's not just um conservatives in the uk or republicans that are kind of doing this thing because the more centrist parties the democrats or the labor party here which like calling labor centrist is clearly a shame to them which but they are and they should be ashamed you see it as well because if you're too left-leaning in those circles you're also out we've seen starmer very keen to get rid of uh, associations of a lot of more lefty people 
he struggles very much to balance how to talk about Corbyn. Uh, and we see it in uh, the states where someone like Sanders, who isn't really that much of an extreme leftist, is worked so hard against when it comes to the voting that they, they, they'll, they'll vote for someone like Biden instead. And they will en masse switch to a Biden vote as soon as it becomes a clear... So it's anti-Sanders, it's anti-Corp, and it's anti-left when you're in the centre. And it's they're trying to do the same thing. <laughs> but I don't think centrism is really as inspiring a cult or a religion, so it's not going to work as well as something hard right. Or even were we? I don't know how, I don't know how we got there. <laughs> <laughs> Near to I, but it was a good place to leave it. But no, right, we'll come back. The final thing <laughs> is this... We have to get used to the discourse on booster shots. It is just normal. We already do it for the flu all the time. People need to stop calling it like the final booster shot or like one more. It's going to be a thing forever. Yep. Okay, let's leave that where it is. Let's move on to something lighter and talk about what we've been watching. James, I have two movies. What do you have? I watched several things, but I only want to talk about one of them. I got a film. Okay, well, I'm going to start then by talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Okay. Which you watched several months ago. I did. Told me to watch it, and I was like, eh, didn't really like the theatrical cut. I shall maybe do it. And then I signed up to Now TV for free for a week, Mm -hmm. and lo and behold... Zack Snyder's Justice League is there. That one was too tempting. Yeah, okay, okay. It it was, and so I watched this. Now, to give you, dear listener, the context, this is the extended cut by the director, Zack Snyder, after he had to step away from the project due to the death of his daughter, to whom the film is dedicated. Yeah. To recap, Justice League was meant to be the DC equivalent of Avengers. Yeah, the first Avengers but it, film. You know, so instead of Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, it's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, and others. But this theatrical <laughs> and others, cut... Aquaman Aqu- and, and Cyborg Boy. Okay, fair enough. The other two who I failed to mention. But <laughs> the theatrical cut of Justice League <laughs> the people flopped. Of color, Colin. It failed to make even a, a dent on Marvel at the box office, too. Um, so this movie stars Henry Cavill as Superman, Jason Momoa as, I'm going to take you through these all now, Aquaman, Ben Affleck <laughs> as Batman, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, Ezra Miller as The Flash, uh, Ray Fisher as Cyborg, and you've, you've even got Jeremy Irons as wow. uh, Alfred. And one other superhero, but that's a spoiler. Indeed. And Kieran Hines, who is uh, who's Steppenwolf, the villain. Yes. There's an extended cast of, of many, many other people, because, of course, this is a four-hour Actual movie. huge film. Yeah. Ginormous. So here we are, yes. five years right. after the movie was, uh, was released. Now it's been released the way it was intended. Split into seven parts, mm-hmm. almost four hours long, with entirely CGI villains... And in 4-3 aspect ratio. Yeah, but the CGI villains are better looking than in the Hold on. The- theatrical cuts. <laughs> You're spoiling my review, James. How dare Sorry, you? Sorry, okay. Ca- can't so, cut that. The first thing to say is about the 4-3 aspect <laughs> ratio. I thought when I started this movie right. that something had gone wrong with my my, my HDMI oh, cable. I thought, oh, I forgot oh it's messed it. up the, the ratio. Oops. This looks like a square. Oh. But it turns out Oops. that was an editorial choice. Yeah. Zack Snyder was like, you know what? 
I want to I want to show it like this. Mm-hmm. And actually, I I applaud him for that. Bravo. Mm-hmm. Rather than mm-hmm. super super widescreen, yeah. long thin shots. Let's get back to the big blocky stuff. So I did actually like that. And let me tell you, James. No big blocky was great. Continue uh, considering. All the previous things I mentioned, four hours, seven parts, CGI villains, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I really liked this. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Because the film, rather than just cramming everything in, it's given time to breathe. It's given time to build up. You finally get good backstories about each of these characters. And the one I want to pick on is Cyborg. Because in the theatrical version, he maybe has... Like ten minutes of screen time. He's just there. Whereas here, he's like one of the main characters. He is given. It's his story. It is absolutely. He his story is fleshed out more fully than Batman or or Superman. I know they had previous <laughs> movies as well, but even you know the Flash, yeah, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. He is given the chunk of the emotional lifting. Yeah, and I really appreciated that. I thought it was incredibly well handled. From from start to finish, and I can see why Mr. Zack Snyder and also so many of the cast, including Ray Fisher, who came out and spoke about the theatrical theatrical cut afterwards, were so disappointed with how Cyborg was portrayed yes. in the movie that went out to, to cinemas. But then there's also, as you say, James, the CGI villains, Steppenwolf mm-hmm. being the, the big, guy, big bad guy who's covered in spoons and forks and knives and cutlery. <laughs> he has been... Yeah redesigned indeed the character arc is also different yeah to the theatrical cut and similarly he's given a backstory yeah he's got lots of different relationships and politics with the with the other bad guys in the movie who, who turn up towards the end all these different things to balance and he clearly has his own what's he trauma to deal with it, and this idea that he's failed in the past, and this is his chance of glorious redemption. So, yeah, this as a movie, directorially, was clearly very different to what the studio wanted. <laughs> yeah, Snyder's yeah. Yeah. vision, as we, as you, if you've seen this this uh, four hour movie, and and I would recommend you do it, and you can break it up into the seven parts. Yeah, you can watch it one one part per day, even. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's basically what I did. So. When you watch it, particularly towards the end, you get the sort of nightmare flash forwards. You get, yeah. um, you know, are these visions? Are these dreams? This is clearly all what Snyder had intended. And the studio went, uh, nope, that's way too out there for us. <laughs> yeah. Just give us a start, middle and end. Yeah. And, so, and I can see why, though. It is great to have this version. I'm unsure if it would have worked theatrically. In fact, I'm, yeah, I'm no confident way. it wouldn't have. Yeah, no. But... I am glad this version exists because this is clearly what was intended, yes. and I can I, I really enjoyed it. I did. No, it's 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 an enjoyable watch, way more than I than I thought it would be. I, I think the aspect ratio makes a lot of the shots make a lot more sense because what yep. was previously sliced into a thin piece of piece of ham is now <laughs> something that makes full sense. You got full portraits of people rather than some awkwardly framed uh, this or that. The CGI is definitely an improvement. Um, as you say, like. Everything is an improvement on the theatrical release. It still would have been a complete failure of a film if it was released as it is. Um, this is just for the fans. Um, and it, the the biggest f- flaws for me with this is more just that they didn't earn it. This could have been such an artistic uh, 
film and a really good milestone in a properly developed series of DC films. But instead, they kind of just had these things that were kind of vaguely tied together. There was hints of this or that storyline, and they didn't earn it as well as Marvel did. But it, and Marvel's is a bit more cheap feeling than this, than this could have been. So if this was a little bit further down the line and they'd earned this film, they'd put some of that backstory in here or there, hinted a bit harder at things, it could have been so much more. And it is disappointing to see all of those hints of what could have been. We've got B plot, C plot, D plot, E plot, all these kinds of like brief little steps away from the main drive of the film to look at something random. Yeah. And I'm sure Snyder's got a goal for it all. He's he's he's, he's setting up something, this or that. Uh, but it's just a bit sad knowing that it's probably not going to go anywhere. And not so that, especially not going to go anywhere as artsy and as interesting as this. Right. So, so that was my final question. I know time is ticking away. There were so many hints and threads left untugged Loads. in this movie. Yeah. Do you think, you mentioned it there, do you think anything will ever, uh, you know, the studio will go back and say, right, Mr. Snyder, show us what you can do with all these other yeah. things that you left tantalizingly hanging Mr. Snyder, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they'll give him the free reign that they, that he seems to have right. gotten in the filming of this. I don't think they'll do it again. They might be a bit more. Even, even with the success of this director's cut. Even with, I mean, maybe if they do want to do this thing again, where they make a theatrical release and a director's cut to get the double dip, but I'm not sure it's worth the money for them. Um, and I don't think there's just like energy or this hunger to find out what happens next, right? Well. It, Steppenwolf was just like not that great after all pretty weak who's the big bad guy oh big blob over there let's go kill him I don't even remember what big blob's name is I don't think there's this hunger to find out who big blob was that's it (laughs) dark side I don't think there's enough of this demand for it that it's going to be a guaranteed good investment and I think it has to just go back to scaling down DC still needs to do these one-offs these scaled down films build up your characters once you find a set of actors that people are really latched onto, then you start doing these big uh, films. But they kind of just assumed that everybody liked the cast, which everybody kind of did, but not enough to just clamor for more. Okay. Um, so I got my fingers crossed we get more interesting Snyder stuff because he is a visionary in a lot of ways. He really does try to make artsy films and he does keep getting screwed by the the the, the way that Hollywood works. And he doesn't get to make the interesting stuff that he can make. Okay. Um, and he seems like a decent human being. Now, uh, before we go any further, you can get in touch with the show. Let us know what you've been watching. Send us a review, audio form or written as Ed from the Tokyo Podcast has done. He has reviewed Inside Job, which is on Netflix. Now, I am quoting him here. Oh, yeah. And I am taking offense with this opening line. Yeah. Here it is. Oh. Animation from the guy behind the terrible Bojack Horseman. Oh, Ed. Terrible. A, that is a stake to the heart. Terrible. Bojack Horseman's one of the terrible. greatest shows ever. Wait, un- unless you're calling the character Bojack Horseman <laughs> terrible, because Bojack Horseman is a terrible He's a terrible person. Character. Absolutely. And season one, I grant you, is, is far from its finest hour, but yeah. as a whole, seasons two through, what, six? Unbelievably well written and darkly funny 
television. Anyway, that's besides the point. Go watch Bojack Horseman. Right, yeah, yeah. So this is an animation uh, which creates basically a a TV show as Netflix's first in-house animation Ah. that, according to Ed, reminds him of Rick and Morty. If anything, the main character's dad and her predecessor in her job is Rick. So the premise of this show, Inside Job, if Sean Connery was presenting it, Inside Job, is that uh, this former child genius called Regan Ridley at age 30, works for a spy agency called Cognito Inc. She's head of a department, seems destined to be CEO. Okay. Uh, the current CEO is JR, and above him is the Shadow Board, who are also, we learn later in the series, uh, are on the board behind the rival company as well, the Illuminate. <gasps> so that seems Can't believe a it. slight spoiler there, but that's okay. Cognito Inc. is not a normal spy agency, says Ed. We get that from the start. One of the uh, primary supporting characters is a former military soldier who had his DNA spliced with a dolphin. Okay. Another is a uh, drugged-up doctor who makes as many viruses and diseases as he cures. Okay. Uh, there's also a PR guru, a sentient mushroom called Mike. There's a, a lot going right. on in this it's show. A lot. Reagan is, by all accounts... A robotics inventor in this gang, who they reference multiple times, uh, may have Asperger's, though it uh, becomes apparent it's likely just bad parenting. So, yeah. overall, and I'm, I'm summarizing here because it's, um, it's a very thorough review, Ed says that Inside Job is okay. an irreverent comedy. It's fun. It's stylistically Rick and Morty. It is not for kids. But if you like Rick and Morty, you may enjoy this. It has a more hopeful outlook than that show. All right. Because an inside job, people learn lessons. There's character development, which seems genuine. <laughs> For example, if you imagine Rick gaining a soul, that's effectively the journey that happens okay. here. Ten episodes in season one, out now on right. Netflix. So thank you very much, Ed, for that summary of inside job. Rick and Morty, but happier. I'm into that. Yeah, I know. I, I hadn't had a, an inkling to watch this, but I might give it a go now. Hey. That sounds better than I thought it looked. Okay, James, what did you watch before I tell you about Promising Young Woman? I watched uh, Crimson Crimson Peak. Hey, tell us about it. Um, Wait, hang on. <laughs> I can't remember the cast anymore. Are there famous people in it? <laughs> Crimson Peak is that film that Del, Del Toro made that looked really interesting in the trailers but then everyone stopped talking about it as soon as it came out um yes it is like horror i guess but more it's mostly just gothic um and it really is gothic and uh, if there's one thing that, that del toro did is he he, he made a gothic film um so there, there's there's ghosts in it is dane dehan in this movie i don't th- i don't think so <laughs> okay right keep talking I'm, I'm gonna look it up it stars wait oh no mia Wait, oh my goodness. I can never see people's surnames. Wazilovsky? No, Wazakovska. Okay, I was close. Yeah, Mia Wazakovska, Jessica Chastain, Tom Hiddleston, and other people who have lesser roles, including Doug Jones, who's in every single um, Del Toro film playing Tall Creepy Thing. He is. And he plays Tall Creepy Thing really good, again. And it's, 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 it's an interesting film because I didn't really... In, like enjoy it too much it was very average I'd like maybe six or seven out of ten on normal human scales but for me like a, me- a medium thumbs up um it was very very beautiful in general the acting was all right chastain's the best of the acting she she really sold her role oh she's great um and most of the rest of the acting is just kind of like very theatrical but i talk i've said this previously there's the good theatrical and the bad theatrical. And this was leaning more towards the bad theatrical. Um, it, in general, it didn't really land very well for me. Um, I don't, it, 
it was it was just a film. I don't think it had. It it was also too. It was a meta film. It was a film about itself in in a lot of ways, and it I didn't like that aspect of it. I I think it was handled way too on the nose. Um, the the ghosts which are in the film didn't really do anything important. And I'm like, if you're gonna be putting scary ghosts in your film, they shouldn't just be like a set piece for the occasional jump scare. Also, the trailer had every single of moment of the good uh, the good ghost shots yeah yeah, yeah there's like a, it's like this love story that doesn't really land there's ghost story that doesn't really land there is uh not much else to it <laughs> it's just someone goes through a really traumatic experience and this is their story and it, it <laughs> the first shot spoils the ending um the the you, you, the 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 meta stuff i don't even know it, it's a very beautiful film but not much aside from that not a Del Toro classic. Let's let's go. Let's say that. Okay. I've got nothing much else to say about it. It was just a passably beautiful film. Really nice sets and scenery, but bland. Great. Okay. Well, I'm going to finish up with Promising Young Woman, which is also on Now TV. This year, it was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, as well as Best Director, Best Actress for Carrie Mulligan in the lead role. It won. Best original screenplay. So before I get into um, the full, my full thoughts, content warning here: this review and this film cover some dark, uh, difficult topics. So and themes. So if you'd rather skip ahead, then then please do uh, for five minutes or so, and uh, you'll get to other news about uh, people dying, which is even better. Anyway. The bluntest summary of this movie I can give is that it is a rape-revenge thriller. But there is a lot more to it okay. than that. So as well as Carrie Mulligan, you've also got Bo Burnham in the lead supporting male role. Right. Alison Brie, Clancy Brown, Jennifer Coolidge, Laverne Cox, Alfred Molina, many others in supporting roles. And it's written and directed in her debut feature by Emerald Fennell who is a very posh actress who uh, you will, may have seen in The Crown yes. and other things, playing the Duchess of Cambridge... Duchess of Cornwall. That's it. Sorry, I had to think about that. <laughs> Play one of those crowns. Playing somebody. Anyway, this uh, promising young woman tells the story of Cassie, uh-huh. who is a college dropout living with her parents, spends her nights pretending to be drunk, right. getting picked up by men, and then when they try to take advantage of her, she completely sober confronts them and then keeps a book of the names of all these guys and, and ticks them off her list. But there is a, a whole backstory behind this, and the film unravels from there. So to paint the picture for you, the credits rolled in this movie, right? and I audibly exhaled, and I realised I'd been somewhat holding my breath yeah, for okay, quite some time, because, boy, this movie is intense it is dark it's grim it's very topical okay to say to say i loved the movie would be the wrong choice of words because of uh those aforementioned adverbs and the the subject matter but yes it is timely it's got a lot of dark humor Uh, it's also very sad uh, at the same time Uh, and you throw in some top-notch performances uh a largely great script and hey presto oscar nominee i thought it was Ah, great yes carrie mulligan in the lead role is phenomenal in in everything she's ever done she's phenomenal but particularly in this i think it's a, a career highlight definitely my favorite thing that she's been in okay and throughout the movie she is able to I've talked about actors and actresses who who do who have done this in the past. 
can swing through the whole gamut of emotion. Okay. Simply with facial expressions. Oh, yeah, love it. And she says so much without actually saying anything in so many scenes. And it's yeah. it's great. And, and she's great. Uh, Bo Burnham, who was BAFTA nominated for this, is also surprisingly excellent, despite you know essentially being a YouTuber. But uniformly, the cast is on point. Everybody plays their role very, very well. Uh, I'm sorry, I'll take that back. Bo Burnham started in YouTube. He is now a bona fide director, actor, <laughs> all the other things. He's, no, yeah, he's a lot of things and he does it all very I'm well. Not just, I'm not just making yeah. swipes because he's insanely talented and I hate him and love him at the same he's, time. He's one of those people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do everything. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, everybody plays the role really well. The film did very okay at the box office. It's quite a niche indie film. Right. It was a victim of COVID rescheduling. But if you are looking for something a little different from your standard Hollywood movie, this is a solid, if somewhat chastening, choice. Is it going to be one of those films that you watch one time, remember forever, but never watch again? Precisely. Absolutely that. Okay. It's it was so good in terms of yeah. the story it's telling, but also you know the yeah the themes, the performances, even things like the music choice, excellent all round. So yeah, I, I I'm sure it will stay with me for a long time, but we'll never watch again. Okay, James, let's uh, finish up with a run of other stories in the news this week. Let's talk about Alec Baldwin has given his first uh, on-camera official interview following the death of Helena Hutchins on the set of his film Rust. Mm-hmm. So the 63-year-old in this uh, hour-long interview said to uh, George Stephanopoulos of ABC that he didn't pull the trigger. Right. Off the gun. Yes. During the incident on uh, October twenty first. Right. In the in a quote, he said, "Someone put a live bullet in a gun. I know it's not me." He then described, essentially, what happened. So again, I'm quoting here. She's guiding me through how she wants me to hold the gun for this angle. Mm-hmm. I'm holding the gun where she told me to hold it. Yes. Which ended up being aimed right below her armpit. Then, uh, to give some information here, to get the shot, the actor said he needed to cock the gun but not fire it. He quotes, so back there, yeah. The trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. I cock the gun. I go, can you see that? Can you see that? And then I let go of the hammer of the gun and the gun goes off. Right. So that is the, mm-hmm. the, the context. Because initially when I saw that quote of I didn't pull the trigger, I thought, wait, are you saying someone, someone else, else did? Someone else had it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But but no, he, he means that literally he didn't, put, he had the gun in his hand. He, he knows he, right. he did, he was pointing it. But he said it was cocked rather than, than fired. Sure. But like, it's still accidental. It's as accidental, but if, like, I, I, I'm not experienced with guns, but I'm pretty sure I've seen enough people using them uh, to know that the, the hammer and the gun is considered pretty dangerous. <laughs> like, that thing, that thing is how the gun fires. So when you're, like, when you've yep. got the gun cocked, as far as I'm aware, when people are uh, putting it back to safe, they point guns away from people and they do it slowly and stuff like that so it does still sound like there's human error in his part even though it was still an accident and even though someone else for sure is more at fault for having a live round in this gun when it's not supposed to have any at all um but yeah that yeah it's it's a horrible story and it does feel like maybe 
there's a lack of gun safety training or law on set. Do you think part of this interview, particularly when he says he didn't pull the trigger, was perhaps nudged on him by a lawyer? That's That was one of my initial thoughts. Um, I mean, maybe... Because there will be a lot of court cases. I don't. I think it's just that he's been trained what to say that isn't going to incriminate him any further than 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 he like what he is actually uh what he's actually done so he's been told to be very specific in what he said um which he's doing he didn't pull the trigger uh <laughs> he only cocked it and then released but still like all i can do is give him hope that he isn't biasing a jury in either direction and, and hope for a fair trial if yeah. it comes to it I, I don't think it matters too greatly as to whether he's being coached or not <laughs> The other thing which was covered in the interview, and it's of far less importance than right. the death of, of Helena Hutchins, was Alec Baldwin speculating that his career may be over. I mean, yeah. I suspect maybe it will, at least for a few years. I think it will be a break at the very least. Yeah, I, 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 I imagine he'll be back on the screens for something. Are they just. I'm not saying he's a cynical human being. I'm saying most human beings kind of just go through that. We, we, when we're in a heightened state of emotion, we go, all right, this is it, done forever. And then we take a break. And then it's yeah, like, okay, yeah. well, maybe forever was a bit extreme and I, I'm probably safe to go back to it. I don't think it's a career-ending thing to have an accident on set, even accidents that kill people. I think that it happens a lot in Hollywood and, and, and there needs to be more safety practiced in general. But uh, the only reason his career would be over is if he is refocusing, not because he's some outcast now, I would say. Um, so maybe that's what he wants to do. And he wants to refocus. And he wants to have a, a different purpose in life until he dies. And if he does, so be it. We'll see what that purpose is. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about the Campbell Oil Field. So for anyone outside of Scotland... Ah, very, very exciting. This is the uh, controversial development, which is west of the Shetland Isles, which are the... Uh, most northerly islands in the British Isles. And they've been discussed for a couple of years now, but certainly it's ramped up in the last few months because Mm -hmm. Nicola Sturgeon, the Scottish First Minister, came out against this this, uh, oil field despite the uh, potential for uh, thousands and thousands of of barrels of oil which uh, apparently lie untapped underneath the ocean. And the UK government stood against that and said, no, we should do this. We should uh, be digging more oil out of the out of the ground. So the news is Shell have pulled out right. of this development. The company had a 30% stake in the field and said, in a quote, the economic case for investment was not strong enough. Uh, so these uh, talks over if the development will continue uh, are set to happen with the UK government and Sicker Point Energy mm. in the next few weeks. James, this to me... Seems like Shell saw the the reputational fallout and all the discussion and thought, you know what, it's probably not worth it. Which is a surprise because it is a lot of oil and people tend to go, oh, morals and decency? Nah, oil. Um, So maybe there's a reputational element, like you say, and in their release, they they certainly are like, well, oil is a key part of reaching a green future. It's like, well... That's just a lie. <laughs> um, so they are definitely trying to keep some form of like we're not so bad, really. Public appearance, um, but also oil fields in general are, are maybe the less of a long term profit investment at this point. I think there, there a lot of companies are seeing a future where maybe uh, 
even if there is oil being pulled out of the ground or the or whatever that it is going to be more and more limited over time and that the money won't happen all at once anymore and that maybe even they won't be able to sell it at the same profit as they used to because it might have to be getting used for different things like so less high high profit um uses and more just like things that human race needs and is cheap um so there's there are very big economic reasons that the oil industry isn't so keen or isn't such a thing to invest in at the moment and i like they get to do the best of both they get to give themselves a little boost to their public reputation and they get to take uh, they get to avoid a risky development so well done them but really hopefully that oil stays there f- until we uh, can can have a very safe and very secure future for all the generations that are to come uh, until we all die and become the oil <laughs> and you know what if i am ever oil just and the podcast somehow is still getting listened to uh feel free to burn me uh, but only if you plant four times as many trees as are needed to nice. to make it to make it a green burn Four times. Do the same for me as well. Okay, let's talk about Russia. The foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, has warned that Europe could be returning to what he's called the nightmare of military confrontation. Yeah, yeah, Love yeah. Love that. Yeah. This is on the back of Ukraine, who have come out to say that Russia has amassed more than 90,000 troops yes. near the Ukrainian border. Yes. Moscow has denied it is preparing an attack on Ukraine, has accused Kiev of its own military buildup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at a security conference uh, held in Sweden, Mr. Lavrov floated the idea of a new European security pact yes. to try to stop NATO from going further east into Ukraine to essentially stand up against uh, the Ruskies. So US Secretary of State Antony Blinken has warned of serious consequences if Russia does indeed start a war with Ukraine. Yeah. James, this has been, uh, I looked into this, started in June that, that troops began... Yeah, this has been trickling along. Mass, uh, ...amassing at the border. This is concerning. Yeah, no, no. Russia aren't preparing to go to war with Ukraine. What they're doing is all the preparations that they would do if they're preparing to go to war with Ukraine. A huge difference. Huge difference. Very valuable difference. So we definitely are... We can feel completely safe and secure. Oh, oh yeah, huge. Huge. Um, I see what they've done there with their their later demand or later suggestion. I think it's very clever of them to show that they could actually just go walk into Ukraine and... Um, they are. They also are making efforts to destabilize Ukraine so that the Ukrainian response to such an attack wouldn't be so efficient. Um, and by showing that they could do it, they are using it as a chip to try and change the power dynamic so that the UK, not the UK, the EU or the European defense is less US and NATO based and more internal. And do you know what? Yep. That could be a good move um, for everyone. If we could have a pact that keeps peace, that is like, well, actually the EU should do more of the legwork in terms of defending itself. And also, here's all the promises Russia makes in turn. It could be good, but that's relying on Russia keeping promises. Eh, are they going to do that? Probably not. Um, But I expect we will see a massing of... NATO troops or Ukrainian troops in turn, EU will be making moves as well because this is actually quite kind of scary, um, especially considering that it's not the only area that is looking like it's going to be going through 
uh, at the very least, some destabilizing times, right? There's a lot of that going on uh, in, in Europe at the moment, and it is time for all of the countries to go, all right, we're responding. Our responses aren't good enough. I think our responses are very much too US-centered, and we do rely on them too much. Um, and you know what? We should do more ourselves to release the US taxpayer from their burden to keep the world military uh, alive. Um but yeah, it, it's not it's not an exciting time, and I think that it's a very strange thing to claim that they're not preparing. You can prepare for something even if, even if you don't intend to actually do it. So they definitely are preparing. Okay, let's go over to China. The Women's Tennis Association has suspended all tournaments being held there yeah. amid concern for the Chinese player Peng Shui. So Huge the whereabouts of, of Peng, who is a a former doubles world number one, Mm -hmm. became a a serious international incident almost a month ago when she disappeared after she alleged that the former Chinese vice premier Zhang Gaoli had sexually assaulted her. Mm -hmm. Her social media post on Weibo, which is the Chinese social media platform, uh, which detailed the allegation, was deleted. Yes. And nobody heard from her for, for three weeks. So the IOC's president, Thomas Bach, sorry, the um, International Olympic Committee, the IOC, Thomas Bach had previously spoke to Peng during a half-hour video conference call on uh, November 21st, but said that the video was insufficient evidence that she was free, that she uh, was free from censorship, from control. And uh, yeah, now the WTA chairman and CEO has come out to say that he has serious doubts that Peng is safe, free, and not subject to coercion and intimidation. So this is the decision they've made. James, a good move. A, a, a big move as well, because for them, the, the the tournaments that are held in China are... Lucrative. Could be a big part of their revenue. Like I, I saw the statement that it was like a third of their revenue. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but like... If it is a measurable amount, then it is a big deal because most associations, companies, anybody that's interested in money just bend over backwards to keep the Chinese market open. They will do anything to do it. You see it in uh, sports that are barely even actually played. Um, or you see it, for example, you see it in like the NBA um, and their limited association with uh, <laughs> with China. Um, they, they, they self-censor everything. Um, so to see anyone go, actually, no, we'll take the hit, bye-bye profits, uh, we'll take a stand, is a big deal. And it's 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 huge to me that it is the, the Women's Tennis Association because so many people are always batting on about how much of a waste of space women's tennis is and how it's all just like propped up by the men's stuff. And well, here they are doing something far more bold than uh, any other <laughs> uh, sporting association seems to have done. Um, and... All for one player, and that's that is huge to me. Like, big round of applause for the decision making. I really hope that this comes to a good resolution for for her because, like, it's a scary enough country to be in anyway. If you're kind of like protesting anything or taking a stand against anything, most countries are. If you if you take a stand, kind of scary. Um, so we can just hope that this mutual loss will be more of a loss for the Chinese authorities that they will uh, accept certain things face up to certain things and um, give someone back their freedom which they definitely do not have like 
there there was another like social media post uh, in quotes by her that was saying like she's all good and stuff. <laughs> just like you know, you, you could, nothing's believable until it's out with the borders and out with uh, a surrounding of uh, interested parties. One final story, and arguably this should have been the main story, but nobody is talking about it, and so we are doing exactly the same. Pretty yeah, we're Patel, it to last because everybody else is. Yeah, the Home Secretary. Yes, added eighteen extra pages into a new bill. Sorry, the Police Crime Sentencing Accords Bill. Yeah, after it had passed through the Commons after the second yeah, reading mad. in the House of Lords. Mad, which looks to me. And to other uh, to everybody else, like a deliberate ploy to avoid scrutiny. So, James and Jerry, yeah. you may be asking, what are in these eighteen pages? Here we are. What are in these eighteen pages? I'm glad you asked. Among the new amendments are measures that would ban protesters from attaching themselves to another person, an object, or land. Attaching could be oh, it could be just holding, holding on, to on to. Just to be clear, not like gluing yourself or chaining yourself. It is loosely worded enough to mean holding on to. Yep. So. Um, this is so loosely drafted, it could apply to anybody. Yes. And the threat is up to 51 weeks in prison. It would also become a, a criminal offence to obstruct any major transport works with a maximum sentence of 51 weeks. And that looks like an attempt <laughs> to end protest against, let's say, airport expansion or road building. Yes. And also, yes. police powers uh, over stop and search would be expanded, meaning that they can stop and search you without suspicion if they believe that a protest will occur in that area. And anyone who resists being searched could be imprisoned for up to 51 weeks. It's mad. Like, if... The area is designated as a maybe protest area. Anyone can be stopped. It doesn't matter. Yep. And that's that's that is such a huge deal. Um, I think the other thing that I saw was that if you, like, I think it was you, if you're a named person, yes, <laughs> you're not you. allowed to protest. If if they if they know who you are and they've said they've said yes, you you've committed a previous protest related offence, you are banned from protesting. Yeah, which Again. Which is insane. Very not democratic. The right to protest is is a huge deal. <laughs> we can also be banned if we have attended or, or contributed to a protest that was likely to result in serious disruption. And serious disruption, as the bill stands, could also mean anything including being noisy. Yeah, upsetting someone. If you post someone. something on social media that encourages people to turn up, you could also find yourself on this banned list. Yeah. And no, this we could, is... We could be on it for encouraging protests... Just because yep. we do. We do that very often. We say, if you don't like a thing, protest it. That could be considered ban-worthy from all future protests if one of the protests we've just kind of encouraged gets a little bit noisy. Just at this point, because yeah, we're, we're at the end of the, the show here, this seems to me to, well, rather, to every fair-minded person... Anyone, yeah. ...like a massive erosion... Of the rights of British shit, uh, citizens, British. Well, at this point, we are being treated <laughs> like second-class citizens because we are. Yeah, we're. This is clear to anybody with a brain that you're being banned from protesting. This is a massive erosion of powers, an abuse of power, and the fact that it's been shoved into this bill, which has already passed, what, three layers of scrutiny, yeah. and now they put it in, clearly done as a tactic to to sneak it in. They, yeah, they know what they're doing. That is unbelievable, but, but we are descending further and further into this police state in the UK. 
And it's happening before our eyes. Yeah, but and it's also just celebrated because uh, something like Insulated Britain happens and the police just kind of go, oh, we don't have the necessary powers to stop them, even though they do. And then the, the British public is like, well, you, we better give them the powers. Yeah. Let's ban protests and they'll celebrate it. But then, like, if you think about it, if you're someone out there who's really happy that protest is getting banned because you're fed up of all of these liberal greenies and all their protests, just think about what happens if you want to protest something. Like, uh, let's say... Let's say the trans community starts getting some rights and you want to protest the trans rights. Hey, that's within your rights to protest. Not anymore. Or let's say there are vaccine mandates and you want to protest that. That's within your rights, but not anymore. Right. So it goes both because there are protests on all fronts and taking away protests from everyone just because the police didn't use the powers they had to 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 move some people a couple of times is a really bad move. But the. But the British public keeps opting into this. And so long as we keep voting for a party that will keep doing this, we do keep opting into it because this is like technically what they're doing is democratic because they are using the structures that are in place. They're using them poorly and the structures clearly need to be improved and uh, a lot of gaps need to be filled in. And then we can vote them out, but we won't. I do not see them getting voted out for this. I don't see this losing them any any level of popularity, but we need to because the right to protest is vital because as soon as things start going wrong, we need to be able to protest it and loudly. And especially if we don't have the ability to vote very often. Okay, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your time, James. And dear listener, you can get in touch if you want to agree, disagree, voice your own opinion. Seesawparade at gmail.com. Audio Just don't form, voice it too loudly. Jail time. Written for... Bad. Yes, you'll get banned from protesting if you do. Or at Seesawparade on Twitter. James, thank you for your time. I'll see you next week. All right, bye-bye. Not bye to you, shitty Chattel. Can't believe it. 51 weeks.